Ah, it's true. When our ancestors spoke of heaven, they were speaking of this moment. When they went on about nirvana, they imagined a time like this. When they sang of paradise, it was this morning they imagined. A time when all the mysteries of life and death are blended in a community of praise. When the bones of ancient lovers are given flesh again in our own bodies. Teachers of long ago, speaking of love and truth once more in lives so ordinary, they are extraordinary. Blessed is our breath, in and out, quiet. Blessed is our sitting, our fidgeting, our movement. Blessed is our heartbeat echoing the pounding alleluias of the distant stars. Blessed is the silence that is presence, not absence the words of Mark Bellatini. Good morning and welcome to the service of First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque. I am Angela Herrera, the senior minister here, and I am joined this morning by our intern minister, Kristen Famula, by our director of religious education, Mia Norin, and lay leader, John Eldridge. William Baker is our DJ. Arnie Gullerud is our backup DJ and Erica and Alex round out the team as our ushers. We're so glad to be with you this morning. We especially welcome any new visitors who might be here among us. If you are a visitor this morning and you feel comfortable, we invite you to put your name and location in the chat box so that we can greet you personally. And now John has a couple of invitations to share. Sign up for the realm. Join the 250 people who have signed up for our new online tool for communicating as a congregation. Realm's easy to use and allows us to coordinate our work as a congregation. Email Lara Magnuson address shared in the chat if you need help getting started on Realm. If you'd like to visit with members of the board of directors, just stay on after today's Zoom service. Our fabulous DJ will create a special breakout room and you can join that. Ask questions, share ideas, give kudos, or just drop in to say hi. For the gift of this day and for our community of spiritual nurture and compassion, we give thanks. We light this chalice as a symbol of our shared community. May our many sparks meet and merge in communion of heart and soul. One, two, one, two, three, four. What would you think if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? And I'll sing you a song And I'll try not to sing out of key Oh, I get by with a little help from my friends I get high with a little help from my friends Oh, I get by with a little help from my friends What do I do when my love is away? Does it worry you to be alone? How do I feel by the end 
rest of the day Are you sad because you're on your own? No, I get by with a little help from my friends I get by with a little help from my friends Oh, I'm gonna try with a little help from my friends Do you need anybody? I need somebody to love We are people of faith with open minds, loving hearts, and helping hands. Good morning. I'm Mia Noren, the Director of Religious Education. People who volunteer in our religious education program sometimes share with me how much they learn in our children's classes. We often teach with stories. And today, I want to share a few short stories about universalism with you. We are Unitarian Universalists. The first story is the Universalists' only miracle story, and is also the story of the denominations founding in this country. <clears throat> it starts in 1770 in England. John Murray was a depressed, almost broken man. Through his encounters and readings, he'd arrived at a universalist theology and embarked on a career as a minister, but few people joined his flock. On top of that, his wife and child had died and he had to serve a short term in debtor's prison when he couldn't pay the bills. On his release from jail, he resolved to start life afresh in the new world and never to preach again. But divine providence, as Murray would later see it, intervened. The ship on which he set sail ran aground on a sandbar off the New Jersey coast. Not wanting to lose a crew member if the ship broke loose again, John Murray was one of the passengers the captain chose to go ashore for supplies. There, Murray happened to meet Thomas Potter, 
a well-to-do farmer who had arrived at a universalist theological position himself 20 years or more earlier. Potter had built a chapel, and for those 20-odd years, he had been waiting for a preacher to arrive and preach universalism there. Seeing Murray as the man he had long been waiting for, he asked the new arrival to preach the following Sunday, it then being Friday. Reluctantly, Murray agreed, providing the ship did not break loose before Sunday. And then he paced and paced the floor. He must have kept looking out the window, seeing the ship still there and saying, I don't want to preach. I promised myself I would never preach again. Saturday morning, the ship was still there. So he decided to prepare a few remarks. He still hoped the ship would break loose, of course, but on Sunday morning, it was still there, aground. And so he did preach. And that experience changed his life. From then on, he preached universalism. And a few years later, he founded the first universalist church in North America in Gloucester, Massachusetts, called the Independent Christian Church. The church played a central role in one of the landmark court cases, establishing the separation of church and state and is still an active Unitarian Universalist congregation. And from his first reluctant sermon, universalism grew until at its height in the late 19th century, it was the sixth largest denomination in this country. And now I want to share a couple of very short stories that may or may not be true, but do tell us a great deal about universalism. Now, <clears throat> Hosea Ballou was a major universalist theologian of early 19th century and was also known for his wit. As one of the denomination's many itinerant clergy, meaning that he rode a horse between communities to preach, he was riding the circuit in the New Hampshire hills with another itinerant preacher, a Baptist. They argued theology as they traveled. At one point, the Baptist looked over and said, Brother Ballou, if I were a universalist and feared not the fires of hell, I could hit you over the head, steal your horse and saddle and ride away, and I'd still go to heaven. Hosea Ballou looked at him and said, ah, but if you were a universalist, that idea would never occur to you. <laughs> and one more. Ballou was riding the circuit again when he stopped for the night at a New England farmhouse. The farmer there was upset. He confided to Ballou that his son was a terror who got drunk in the village every night and fooled around with many women. The farmer was afraid his son would go to hell. All right, said Ballou with a serious face. We'll find a place on the path where your son will be coming home drunk and we'll build a big fire. And when he comes home, we'll grab him and throw him into it. The farmer was shocked, but that's my son and I love him. Ballou said, if you, a human and imperfect father, love your son so much 
that you wouldn't throw him in the fire, then how can you possibly believe that God, the perfect father, would do so? Thank you for being in my religious education class this morning. Let's pause the chat for a few moments during the meditation and prayer. We enter into a time of meditation this morning with the gift of these words from Jezebel Anat. Let us come into a calm, clear place where we can relinquish our clutter and relax from busyness into being. Let us settle into that calm, clear place where the earth supports our bodies and the community lifts our spirits where we can breathe in peace and center ourselves in love. Let us welcome our calm, clear place where our hearts can open and our thoughts can expand beyond the cobwebs of convention and into the creative flow of infinity. Let us continue in our calm, clear place for these moments of collective stillness. This is where we all belong, many, many miles from home. Don't look back, you know better than that. The words of Mabey. Please use the chat bar to share what's on your heart and to support others as they share what's on their hearts. If you're not able to write in the chat, then send your concerns to caring at uuabq.org. The video will prompt you first to share your joys and later the video will prompt you to share your concerns.
in this calm, clear place. We can listen to all that we are holding. In this calm, clear place, we let our hearts open. In this calm, clear place, we feel the love that comes from living life fully. We lift up all that is on our hearts this morning and into this space, holding it gently together. This journey of life is a tricky one. The beauty is all around us in the sky and the trees and those closest to us. And the pain is there too, often in those same things. And what really is ours to do except to love one another through it, to love and keep loving. That is what we are here to do. Sometimes the things happening on this journey invite us to forget that. Sometimes we want to rage and scream and cry and that too is love. Let it be for love. What more is there on this journey than to love one another through it? Peace and love be with you. Good morning. I'm Susan Peck, your music director, and we had some glitches with our technology in recording our band songs today. So I'm in the sanctuary, and I'm going to share a couple songs with you live, one now and one at the end of the service. This is a song by Peter Mayer called Everybody In, and it goes with our universalist theme today, Everybody Into the Circle. The usher is going to place some chorus words in the order of service. So I invite you to join me. The chorus is really fun. Everybody in, everybody into the circle, circle. Jesus walked and treated there to live together in a great circle of love. When his followers asked him then, who should be included? Jesus said, let everybody in, everybody in, everybody into the circle, circle, everybody, 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 everybody into the circle, circle. All the clocks, tyrants try to keep some in and everyone else outside to sweeps across the land and the people all stand and the common folk cry let everybody in everybody in everybody into the circle circle everybody 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 into the circle circle i gotta say the closed captioning on this is insane don't listen to that <laughs> Sometimes a circle is made only of men. Till Susan B. Anthony says, What about me? Let me in. Let everybody in. Everybody in. Everybody in. To the circle, circle. Everybody. 
today Excluding people for the color of their skin Until the voice of Martin Luther King says Let freedom ring and let them in Let everybody in Everybody in Everybody in To the circle, circle Everybody, everybody, everybody Everybody, everybody in To the circle, circle Gay and straight Rich and poor Whole and broken Open up that door The more we are The greater we become And after that we all were bringing the people, but don't stop there. Bringing the fish in the sea and the birds in the air. Bringing the rivers wide, the mountains tall. We go together or not at all. Let everybody in, everybody in, everybody into the circle, circle, everybody, everybody. Our reading this morning is There Was a Time I Would Reject Those by the 12th century Muslim mystic Muhuddin ibn Harabi. There was a time I would reject those who were not my faith. But now my heart has grown capable of taking on all forms. It is a pasture for gazelles, an abbey for monks, a table for the Torah, Kaaba for the pilgrim. My religion is love. Whichever the root love's caravan shall take, that shall be the path of my faith. We've got the word universalism right up front in the name of our faith tradition, Unitarian Universalism. And we get so accustomed to hearing it that it would be easy to either take it for granted or to kind of forget about it. But universalism is actually a pretty radical concept. Traditionally, it's the belief that a truly loving God would never condemn anyone to eternal hell. And since God is loving, therefore everyone is saved. It's a direct contradiction to the very dominant Christian idea that you better behave or else. Well, actually, in recent years, it seems to be you'd better believe the creed or else, as we've seen some self-proclaimed Christians behave absolutely unconscionably. At any rate, though, the idea that sinners and non-Christians are going to heaven is so controversial that it has turned some people's lives absolutely upside down. You heard Mia Norin earlier tell the story of John Murray, the grandfather of American universalism, who was a traditional Christian, a fire and brimstone Christian back in England when he converted to universalism 
And after he started preaching universalism, it, his life just spiraled until he had lost everything and basically was ready to renounce it, except for what he felt later was divine intervention that brought him to America, where he created a universalist tradition here. More recently, though, a couple of other Christian ministers in America began to teach or preach universalism, and they also faced huge, huge consequences. Rob Bell is an example. He was the founder of the evangelical megachurch called Mars Hill, and about 10,000 people attended his church services every Sunday until Bell published a book in 2011 called Love Wins, in which he said, basically that universalism might be true, but maybe no one goes to hell. He lost his pulpit before the end of that year. Carlton Pearson is another case. He was the pastor of one of the largest churches in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the Higher Dimensions Family Church, with a weekly attendance of about 6,000 people. When he came out as a universalist, people left his church in droves. And soon he was declared a heretic by his peers at the Joint College of African-American Pentecostal Bishops. Pearson and a few hundred of the remaining members of his congregation eventually merged with All Souls Unitarian Church in Tulsa, and Pearson is named as an affiliated minister there to this day. Unitarian Universalism. Unitarian means that God or the source of all being is one. That the source of all being is mysterious, but we all come from the same source. It is one. That's Unitarianism. And universalism means that all are saved. When it comes to spiritual salvation, our spiritual heritage is a really interesting one. On the Unitarian side, our Puritan ancestors were Calvinists, and they believed in the doctrine of predestination, the doctrine of predestination, which meant that it was already determined before you're born who is saved and who is not. Before you were even born, Calvinism says, God had two lists, one with the saved and one with the damned. In the Puritans' Calvinism, there was really nothing people could do to alter their fate. People would try to be good and they would try to be moral because if they weren't, then they'd know for sure that they weren't saved and so would everybody else. If people were good, if they behaved themselves well, well, then at least they had a shot, right? Nobody could look at them and tell right away which list they were on. But being good and moral was not a guarantee. And as a Puritan, you could spend your whole life doing your best, but no one's perfect. So you'd always have that doubt. And then after death, stopped cold at the gates of heaven, you could find out that it was all for nothing. And then wouldn't you have some regrets? I mean, you could have cursed your parents after all. You could have worn clothes that were too nice for your social status. You could have been an unquiet woman or joined that coven of witches because you were already on the wrong list anyway. Those were all punishable crimes back in the Puritan days. Those were the ancestors of American Unitarians. Our American Universalist ancestors were not Calvinists, quite the opposite. They found no evidence of hell or damnation in the Bible, and they just could not square the logic of a loving, benevolent God with the idea of a God who would take some kind of pleasure in the eternal suffering of the majority of humankind. 
And so they concluded that in the end, all people would be saved. Nobody would go to hell. Where the Calvinists pictured the heavenly gates with a heavy lock and a rigorous admissions process, the Universalists just threw the gates open. There was one list and everyone was on it. Some of them still believed there might be a hell, just that nobody would stay there forever. A bad person maybe would go there until they had paid the price for their sins, and then they would graduate out. Others believed that hell didn't have to be a physical place. It could be a spiritual state. And other universalists didn't believe in anything that they would call hell. Everybody would be reconciled with God straight away, everyone. All versions of universalism raised some hackles. They raised some real concerns. Hell-fearing Christians would ask their universalist neighbors, why bother to be good if no matter what you do, you're going to heaven anyway? To which the universalists would reply, if you're only good because you're afraid of being punished, but I'm good regardless of already being saved, which of us is really the better person? Many found it hard to believe that universalists really meant everyone, as in even the worst people. This is a challenging idea, but early universalists were aware of very bad people. They knew about the misery that humans can inflict upon each other. In fact, it is and was obvious that we humans make hell for ourselves right here on earth. But universalists believed that somehow things would come out all right. Perhaps it was that after death or during conversion, experiencing the unconditional love of a benevolent God would prompt this like inner reckoning of all that the individual had done. The worse the individual's past behavior, the more excruciating that reckoning would be and the deeper the sense of unworthiness. Perhaps penance would be the natural consequence of love. Whatever the technical process behind it, though, universalism was a hopeful faith. Eventually, it led to an embrace of theological diversity. If God loves everyone and will condemn no one, then there must be more than one path to God. If we are universalists, we cannot condemn another person's religious beliefs simply because we disagree with their metaphysical claims in universalism, all paths must lead to the same God or source of being in the end. Now, this is not the same as saying that all paths are equally good. All paths are not equally good. Some religious beliefs increase division and suffering. Some are misguided and they lead to difficult or unhappy lives. But universalists determined that although we may have much to learn, and that we should work for peace and human dignity, in the end, no path would keep anyone from God. In the mid 20th century, the Unitarians and the Universalists merged to create one denomination, Unitarian Universalism. And it continued to evolve with new generations. Today, the embrace of theological diversity is evident in our Unitarian Universalist congregations. Not all you use believe in God, and those who do tend to define God more as a creative or a loving force and not in the traditional anthropomorphic terms. I could count on one hand the number of times I've heard a UU refer to God as he, and I've been a UU for almost 40 years. 
But without a belief in the kind of father-like God who might send people to hell, why call ourselves universalists anymore? What does that even mean to us now? What is it we think people are universally saved from? I recently read a book called The Power of Ritual by Caspar Turkile. And it got me thinking again about this question. Turkile went to the same divinity school I did. He just went a few years later. And he had a ministerial internship lined up with one of my UU minister friends in Massachusetts before changing gears and deciding not to work in congregations. And he went on to create the hit, the hit podcast called Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Maybe some of you have heard this podcast. In his book, Turkile argues basically that people don't need church. As an analogy, he describes the way newspapers used to do a whole bunch of things for people. People would turn to their newspapers, not only for news, but also to see what concerts or movies were coming up, to peruse the personals for a date, to find a job, to buy or sell something in the want ads. Now he says all those things are available separately. You can get your news online. You can use a dating app for dates. You can buy things on Craigslist, etc. Spirituality is like that too now, he says. You don't have to get anything at church. Where people used to go to church for community, today you could find community through CrossFit or yoga classes or game nights. While people used to depend on churches for rites of passage, today you can be married by a justice of the peace. You can have a funeral director at a local mortuary preside over your loved one's memorial services. People used to go to church to nurture their relationship with the divine and to raise their kids up in the same spirituality. But now instead you could commune with nature. You could teach your kids about religion using books or not at all, especially if you consider yourself spiritual and not religious. Although kids will absorb a lot of religious messaging from the world around them. You could do all of those things. It's true. Casper Turkeil is not wrong, nor are any of the other writers who've presented a similar message to their secular audience. You could do all of those things outside of a church. But instead, you're here. And so am I. Why? I think it's in part because it would be possible to do all of those things and still feel like something is missing. It would be possible to do them without achieving much depth or being very challenged. It would be possible to do them without being very brave or very bold. And let's face it, we need courage to face our lives. We need strength, we need depth. We need to know who we are in the grand scheme of things. We need each other and not just in the sense of hello and how are you and what are you watching on Netflix, but in the sense of bearing witness to one another's search for meaning, to our rites of passage and to the deaths and the rebirths of ourselves that we experience all our lives. This church is to save people from their crippling fear. This church is to save people from the hells of alienation and loneliness. 
This church is to save people from the kind of individualism that affirms your importance while starving your soul. This church saves people from those kinds of hells and from the hell of hate, of hating others and of self-hate. From the hell of judgment, which sets us apart from others and cuts us off from them. It doesn't mean we can't exercise the kind of judgment that discerns what behaviors and beliefs lead to more justice and mercy and peace in the world and which ones lead to more suffering and misery. We need to exercise that good judgment. But the harmful kind of judgment, the kind we need to save ourselves from, is the kind that pits people against each other or pit, puts some people above others. The kind where you say, I'd never do that or I'd never be that way. Or subtly, maybe even unconsciously, decide that another person is bad or is a lost cause. This church is, is for saving people, not from some hell out of a medieval tale, but from the worst fate of all, which is to have nothing for certain except for this one precious life and to realize in our final days that it was meaningless or nearly so because we were never intentional in it. Maybe we were too scared to be and we did not wake up to its potential, to our potential. So yeah, this church is for saving people from hells. We gather to save ourselves and each other. And in so doing, I think maybe we save a little bit of the world too, maybe more than any one of us could do alone. And here's where we really differ from the a la carte options. We believe that this salvation is available for everyone. We are universalists about it. It's never too late. You're not too weird or too awkward or too broken. You were not, you were not, and you are not a mistake. You haven't messed your life up too badly to find meaning now. And you don't have to flip tractor tires or do burpees or shop at Lululemon. It is not a heavy lift. And it is not a popularity contest. Just come in. Everyone is lovable. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is from one source. We are one family and everyone is saved. We take our offering with these words by Ellie Wiesel. No one is capable of gratitude as one who has emerged from the kingdom of night. We know that every moment is a moment of grace, every hour an offering. Our Change for the Future recipient for September, October, and November is Art Street. Art Street is a community art studio used primarily by people who are unhoused, operated by Albuquerque Healthcare for the Homeless. The Art Street program also provides art therapy groups with a focus on trauma at the Westside Emergency Housing Center. You can give online or mail a check to the church and include Change for the Future on the memo. All right, this is one more song by Peter Mayer. He's quite the universalist himself. This is a song about someone who's very pleased to find themselves up in heaven after they've died as they expected to be and very, very surprised to find out that God is a universalist. This is called When I Died.
much for your generosity, everyone. And thank you, Susan, for jumping in with that spirited <laughs> Save the Day rendition of our songs when our technology issues got in the way of our recorded versions. I invite everyone, if you're uh, able, to put your screen in gallery view now so we can greet one another. I'm putting mine in gallery view. If you feel like turning on your camera, this is a great moment to do it as we extend the peace greeting to each other any hand you want touching your heart and the other one extending out to your fellow you use. Peace to you. I'm gonna turn my screen to the next one so I can see more of your beautiful faces. Peace to you. And now I'm gonna put mine back in speaker view. You may wish to as well. And as you go out today, you're welcome to linger and join in a breakout room if you'd like to have a, a virtual coffee hour here. Whether you do that or whether you go on to have conversations outside of the Zoom church hour, you might like to have a discussion question to get things going. So here's one for you. What is heaven to you? 
and what is hell? What does it mean to you? Heaven and hell. Let's join now in extinguishing our chalices and candles. And as we do, friends, may you go out in peace and may love bless you and keep you until we're gathered again. Blessed be.